Okay, it's recording now. Oh no, we gotta make jokes. Oh fuck. How did we intro the first one? Because I forget. Um, Dylan's internet problems. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Dylan fucking fixed it, so. Yay! Damn it, Dylan, you've now ruined our intro. I can tell you about my goats. Oh yeah, do tell us about your goats. Tell us about your goats. So- I have two goats. One's named Oliver, and the other one's name is Finley. Yeah. And a little bit earlier, I went out to go feed them, and I stepped a little too close to the pen, and they did try to start. They did start trying to eat my pants. <laughs> one of them just bit like really hard into my pant leg, and like started tugging. And I was like, "Hey, bud." He knows where the goods are. Hey, Dylan, would you say you have very good goats aside from when they try to eat your pants? Even then, I have Aww. exceptional goats. Would you say that your goats are the greatest of all time? Yes. Goats are goats? Yeah. <laughs> are they totes your goats? They're totes my goats. Wow. Ah, oh, boy. Boy, howdy. One, two, three, four. someone calls me a wonderful little beast that's such a good thing to say i mean jesse you are a wonderful little beast (laughs) i'm very similar where all someone needs to do to get me to go somewhere is to take my friend there and then i just show up i'm like hey guys where were you going I i think we all have that goat instinct of oh i don't know anybody here uh, where's my friend? I'm going. I gotta leave now. Uh, I'm Jesse. I'm 14 years old. You're not. I'm, I'm nine and a half. Okay, we're going lower. 8.5. Oh, God. Oh, no, we're gonna get into the decimals now. Six. And I'm really excited about the other half of the sandwich. I ate the first half before this. And I'm very excited about the second half. There's also a cookie in there and some chips. I'm Sarah, and I'm very excited about the beef brisket sandwich I had today at work. It was only $3 because I get a discount. It had coleslaw. And I'm just excited about coleslaw and sandwiches in general. It's a good crisp. Crisp. Yeah. I am Dylan. And the thing I'm, like, super excited about right now in this exact moment is I'm about to, like, talk about DreamWorks. We're all going to talk about DreamWorks. But I am also going to, in the process, just absolutely dunk on Disney. Yes. Yes. There's going to be so much of that. Yes. Let's get into it. Let's talk about the man fishing on the moon. I don't have any stats for why that's the logo, but... It is a person on a moon fishing. We are talking about Shrek 2 today, just skipping straight ahead to the good one. <laughs> the only good one. The only, I mean, one was okay, but. No, the, I mean, of the Shrek franchise, yes, I'd say I'd say Shrek 2 is the best of them. Um, I don't one. think any of you guys have seen Shrek 3. Or I have. How dare you? I have. I, of course I have. I have not Six seen four. anything past 2 because nothing could top that. It doesn't um, top it. No, it doesn't top it, but I do know at least one person who told me, like, straight up that Shrek 4 was a gay awakening for them. Mm, I believe that was I, Fiona. I have seen yeah, the screen caps, so I buy that, yeah. Fiona is... All, Fiona has always been very hot, especially in her true ogre form, but in 4, she's just... Oh boy, she's very pretty. 
You can't say no to an ogre in armor. You fucking can't. You could try. You could try and deny it, but you'd be a liar. But it's a good song. So what are our what what suitcases did we bring to unpack here, team? All right. Um, Sarah, you go first. Okay. Well, I'm gonna tell you guys. I'm gonna veer off course here for just like a quick second. I just found this really good movie on Netflix the other day. I just really want to talk to you guys about it. Um, no, no, this is actually a lesbian movie and in it, it's like, there's this couple and they just got married and they're celebrating their honeymoon. They're really cute. There's like a femme girl and a butch girl. And, um, so the femme girl gets an email from her parents who she hasn't talked to in a while. Cause they're like super conservative and she ran away from home and they invited her to come back home cause she recently got married and they want to give their blessing. Um, but the the wife doesn't really want to go, and but then she's like, nah, it's gonna be fine. It's gonna be fine. So they go on this road trip, and they got like the quirky best friend who tags along, and they get there, and the parents are like, what the fuck? We thought you were gonna marry a dude. But then the mom's like, nah, it's cool, cause she just wants her daughter to be happy. But then the dad's really pissed off about it, and then they have a big argument, and uh, the daughter storms off. And then her godmother shows up late to the party and goes to the daughter's room to comfort her. And then she's kind of like, maybe you should start changing your appearance to appeal to dudes. And, you know, maybe getting married was a mistake and you should find a man. And then the girl gets pissed, kicks out the godmother, and then her wife walks into the room. And it turns out that the that she's kind of mad at her, too, saying she could have tried harder to get along with the dad. And then they have an argument, and then the butch girl storms off, saying that coming here was a mistake. Meanwhile, the parents are arguing about accepting their daughter's wife. When the godmother comes in, pulls the dad to the side, they start plotting to hook the daughter up with some dude that the godmother knows. They agreed not to tell the mom about this. And the godmother suggests the dad should do something about the wife so that they don't she doesn't catch on to what's happening. And then this is where shit gets crazy. The dad hires somebody to beat up the wife, and this is the plot of Shrek 2. I was gonna ask if these women had names. Felt weird that you weren't naming them. Waiting to see how long you could go before, like, bursting into laughter, Sarah. This is... Like a champ. I have fooled at about a little over 8,000 people (laughs) with this. I forgot how, how, how righteous that post got. Yeah, and I got hate mail about it. <laughs> you did get hate mail. It was about deserved, it. but also Wait, I did you fool mean, them. <laughs> you, you did mean do a, a big hate mail fool. or like I hate you for making this. Oh, the the latter. It was very much like I hope you have a very bad day for what you have done. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, you know, you're kind of speaking truth onto the power of DreamWorks. Yeah. 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 So the thing about this movie is yeah. it's it's a better queer movie than Rent. And <laughs> <laughs> And that's that's really the long and short of it here, kids. That is a it's bold a better queer movie than Rent. Because yeah, that is a bold claim, but it's never but the truer words have never been said. While Rent was very formative for me as a kid to be like, oh hey, gay people exist out of my uncles and Will and Grace. And um, secretly. But, and me, that I did not know of at the time. At the same time, it also didn't really present a very good narrative for me where my introduction to women dating each other and being married is the punchline to a straight dude's failings at dating. <laughs> Yeah, no, yeah, Rent's rent's real fucked up, and we will get into that in an episode. Like, in terms of lesbian and, like, bi women representation, it's the same level as Ross's backstory in Friends. And that's that's a low, low bar. (laughs) Wait, what? Yeah, because Ross and Friends... Was Ross a lesbian? No! No, oh, his his ex enough. his ex married a woman, and it's just it's just a punchline. Yeah. And okay, that makes. <laughs> so so that was my initial exposure to what lesbians were when I was a kid. So and that's like not a failure of my upbringing or anything. It's just the media wasn't doing it 
at we the time. We live in a society. Yeah. And so does Shrek. Shrek is being told over and over that he he needs to be a prince charming in order to be worth anything for making Fiona have her happily ever after. And that's just, it speaks to an experience that the queers have where we're told we gotta either be this straight model or we're we're fucking weird and outside and shrek speaks to that more Mm -hmm. than rent where we're just kind of in the background supporting funny cast or we die tragically to make other people feel uh more compelled to do things with their lives ah yes the trans woman named angel so yeah I do, like, have, like, a pretty good solid working memory of the plot of Shrek, but how do we want to start here? So, Sarah, your talking, your talking point is obviously the fact that Shrek is actually a pretty solidly written queer story, possibly on accident. Oh, mm-hmm. definitely on accident, given that actually textually there are a large number of transphobic jokes in it. Um, so many. There's so a lot. Many. <laughs> um, there's so many in And there's a lot of racism uh, just in the fr- Shrek franchise as a whole. And something I, I noticed again on this rewatch that I had just now is that Puss in Boots, wow, he's, he's a horrific Hispanic stereotype, but he's also queer coded and it doesn't sit well. Like... I don't know, there's just, like, a few lines which imply he's attracted to the dudes, too, but it's presented in this very, like, the raunchy bisexual way. Yeah, it's yeah the joke. definitely that. Yeah. The horny, the horny cat uh, angle. There. Exactly, wow. yeah. So, as... So, textually, no, it's very bad, but what me and Jesse are here to do is Hello. to see see the queer content that we want to see in the world and sometimes we just gotta we just gotta do that work on our own yeah i'm gonna do a little jumping off point here uh which will feed into dunking on disney which i will do further in my in my my report later in the show um but the 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 movie that this most closely parodies at least the first one is beauty and the beast i feel like that's that's fair to say yeah um, yeah, like, there's some there's some like pieces of a lot of movies, you know. Yeah, you got that Sleeping Beauty flavor from like, you know, like the fact that they have to fight a dragon and climb up a castle and all that yeah. stuff, save the princess. But yeah, I would say there's a lot of Beauty and the Beast there. I think in the first movie as well, there's a fair amount of like. Remember Rapunzel I, I meets wrote Beauty and the Beast. A long ass essay a while ago about. Uh, how Beauty and the Beast is inherently like a queer narrative and how there is uh, inherently in this relationship specifically, like as it has stretched across uh, the centuries since it was written, uh, this this one particular love story where one person is seen as this like a pure and uh, societally accepted creature and then the other one is this like corrupting influence slash monstrous beast and their relationship is an abomination uh and then i kind of tied it into the fact that like howard ashman rest in peace love him wrote the lyrics for the disney version of beauty and the beast he was also a gay man who died of aids during the crisis and died just before the movie came out and then of course when beauty and the beast live action came out we had that whole LeFou scandal. Oh, God. Still don't know how it ended. Oh, boy. Um, But how Beauty and the Beast is often treated as this sort of allegory for for queer narratives. And Shrek... Similarly. Similarly, I think does a more on-the-nose job. Yeah, considering, like, let's, for example, the dinner scene where... They're, like, arguing about the possibility of having kids and it not being the image that the parents were expecting and just, like, just just the fact that Shrek exists as he is is a problem in and of itself. And that him associating with Fiona is corrupting for her and it's, 
veering her off the course that was intended for her. It's pretty on the nose. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he knows, he knows what it's doing. And on a more existential level for what this movie does for me as a Let's piece of, of like just raw gay energy in my soul is, okay, so Rent was unfortunately impressionable at, on me as a child for just, you know, knowing that gay people exist outside of TV and that I, it got me into theater, which led to me befriending all my friends who all turned out to be some form of not straight or cis. Um, what's up? What's up, Jesse? Um, so, but beyond that, the, the scene that stuck out to me the most was the, uh, I need a hero sequence. Oh God. Which is yes. just, it's just like everything from the cinematography to that fucking banger to just every beat of it. I just remember just being in cloud nine watching it. And I have not felt a similar high until the day I realized I never have to date men ever again. God, <laughs> that's so pure. That's so good. And that's I've dropped good. my mic and I'm leaving the floor to y'all. <laughs> I felt it when Mumbo, the giant ginger man, falls into the ocean. I was there. We were all there. God, that was such a good B-day. moment. Um, similarly, speaking as the as the resident trans in the in the call, uh, moments that I felt particularly affecting uh, after in in the in Shrek two. When Shrek becomes, I guess someone thinks he's hot, but like I don't, I don't see it. But when he becomes a human dude, mm-hmm. uh, and he is talking to Donkey, and this actually might be just before that, he's about to take the potion, and Donkey's like, "But you can't do gross things anymore. And you can't like scratch your butt, and you can't pick your nose. You love being an ogre." And then Shrek says, "I know," and you can, and it's like very, like a very loud moment. But I love Fiona more. And then he drinks the potion. As the trans kid in this room, there is just, oh boy, oh, there's layers. One might say there's an onion worth of layers <laughs> on on this on this situation. I, I was, just I was wondering which one of us was going to make that joke. First. I did it. I did it. The seal's been broken. Thank you. Um. The idea that you have to change, not only to be, like, societally accepted and, and to be something worthy of love, but that to to continue to have love and to make your partner happy, you have to continue to be something that you're not. That's something that, you know, not just a lot of, you know, queer people in general, but trans people specifically, who have, like, spent their lives either trying to pass as as they're assigned at birth sex or gender that's something that is really really affecting but it's weird to see shrek say and it's weird to like have to kind of internalize that yeah it's also something that you don't see that often you don't see a whole lot of narratives about people who like feel like not only do they have to change to be worthy of love but like then commit to it and and physically transform their body into something else. That was something that you saw a lot in like '90s era movies where women, you know, had the makeover moment and then, oh shit, they're hot. How did we not see this before? She just took off her glasses. But it's not something that you've seen like handled with like love and tenderness and like some understanding until Shrek Two. Of all movies. Of all movies. Yeah, Shrek 2 is the queer film that we deserve. Well, actually, we do deserve better, but we can... We do deserve a lot better, but, you know, just... Shrek is the hero that this town needs. I do... I don't blame Shrek himself. He's he's, he's living his life, and I support his cause. Oh, boy. Yeah, so Shrek, it's, uh... Queer, baby. Um, I think we were talking before about how um, Shrek 2 is definitely, like, covers the story of, like, 
queer experiences better than Rent does. Yeah. Um, I also talked about how Shrek 1 covers the threat of gentrification better than Rent does. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. It really, it really, truly does. And I don't know if that's, like, kudos on the part of Shrek or just, like, another dunk on Rent. (laughs) It could be both. Could be both. Could be both. It could just be that Shrek is actually, like, the first two movies in particular are just, like, very competently written, and we can tell. Lord Farquaad is more realistic as a New York, like, landlord than Benny is. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say, I spent my entire childhood not knowing that his name is a joke. Oh, yeah. 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 That's, yeah. 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 Fair. I Fair. Did I didn't know it for a while either. His name was Lord Fuckwad. Yep. That's, that is his name. That is his Christian name. Uh, and, and speaking of, of Lord Farquaad, uh, that leads in a little bit into my, my segment for the evening, which is how Shrek was born of hate and yet did so much good. Let's hear it. Let's talk about Jeffrey Katzenberg. I would love to talk about Jeffrey Katzenberger's. Katzenberg. I just, I I do know a little bit about this, and I just gotta say, I have never heard a more inspiring story about a man with, like, the most hateful boner for another company. He just, this, y'all, this story is so wild. The story of how Jeffrey Katzenberg came to fund, to to found uh, DreamWorks uh, SKG is a story that involves the beginning of the Disney Renaissance, a man's death via helicopter crash. What? And, yes, no, we're going to get into it. And okay. like, I didn't know oh that. yeah, oh yeah. And, mm. and like how someone could be one of the most like hated members of an animation community and still make it like number one at the box office. Like it, the story is, is bananas. So Jeffrey Katzenberg, let's start this in 1984 when Michael Eisner who is currently head CEO at Disney, uh, he stepped in as CEO. And a lot of things weren't going great for Disney on the whole. When those two came on the scene, it was like last. Yeah, it was like last. The 80s were not kind to the Disney company, as we may remember. It's called like the Dark Ages, when colloquially referred so they they stepped in, and Katzenberg was put in charge pretty much of, like, production of of the of all of, like, Disney motion pictures. Like, Katzenberg was just kind of running the show. And they did less, like, animation, and they, they did uh, uh, Good Morning Vietnam. I didn't know that was a Disney production. Then later they have Robin Williams on Retainer, so I guess that makes sense. Um, so they did a lot of, like, live-action things, and then... Uh, uh, Katzenberg was like, well, let's let's see what we can do about this whole animation situation we got going on here in the background. Famously stormed into a screening of, uh, or like stormed out of a screening of The Black Cauldron and cut him, like himself cut out 12 minutes of movie after it had been like finished. Like this movie was no longer in production; it was in post production, and he himself cut out twelve minutes of it Ooh. because he said it was too long. That's 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 absolutely insane. Oh my for, god! For an animation company, that's that's crazy. Uh. So he wasn't well liked. Jeffrey, you crazy son of a bitch! But 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 this man under his leadership. Then went on to to ensure the making of Who Framed Roger Rabbit, The Little Mermaid, Beauty and the Beast, Aladdin, and The Lion King. The start of the Renaissance. Hot damn. That's a pretty good track record, honestly. Yeah. What a comeback. So, so that's where that's where that kind of starts with Jeffrey. And then it all breaks bad pretty fast. Um, this part I do know. Yeah. So this this story does not end well for Jeffrey. It, it, I mean, it, it ends fine for Jeffrey, but the middle the middle is a little rough. Yeah. This is this is the end of uh, chapter one. 
Yeah, uh, going into the second act of, of this man's Disney career. Uh, so he and Eichner had come in to Disney pretty much at the same time. And, and like I said, Eichner was CEO. And Eichner had kind of promised Katzenberg that if, uh, if uh, Frank Wells, uh, who was like second in command, if, there was, if he was no longer, he was, the, he was president, Frank Wells was president. This is important to keep track of. Frank Wells was president. Eichner was CEO. Katzenberg was in charge of production and Katzenberg wanted to be second in command, which would have meant Frank Wells had to step down and become vice president. Eichner pretty much promised Katzenberg, if for whatever reason, Frank is not going to be at this company anymore, you will get his job. Frank Wells then died in a helicopter crash in 94. Oh, boy. By any account, how immediately after was this promise that he died? I don't, I don't know if there was an actual curse then placed on this man. Oh, uh, no, what I was asking was, I was asking was, did Jeffrey have time to sabotage a helicopter? I really hope not. I don't think the man did a murder. But, so Frank Wells did die. He did, but that's later. Uh, he, he murdered a different production company. Um, <laughs> so, Frank Wells passed away, and Eichner kind of just took that job for himself he just eated it all up eichner just was like i am ceo and also in charge of this and this and this and this i'm just gonna get my grubby hands all over everything and katzenberg was like okay so hey (laughs) what's that thought i was gonna be president of disney now and eichner was like "Mm, don't think we got it in writing sorry sorry guys I'm sorry. Uh, so he, uh, a few other circumstances occurred. Katzenberg was forced to resign, then sued Disney and settled out of court for $250 million. Wait. Damn. Yeah. He so, did that. He did it. He did the dang thing. So after all that went down, <laughs> this all happened in 94. We're not even Le- in Shrek territory yet. Oh, no. Later... In 94, later in this very weird year, uh, he co-founded DreamWorks, SKG, with Steven Spielberg and David Geffen. So, Katzenberg, Spielberg, Geffen, SKG. And they made this here company. And, and there, there's, there are conflicting ideas as to, as to what DreamWorks was supposed to be when it uh, came out. Like, what, what this company was going to be. But I can tell you the first... A uh, full-length animated movie they did was Ants with a Z. Oh, hmm. Which mm. it stands to some some amount of reason that this movie came out October second, nineteen ninety-eight. And you want to know when a Bug's Life came out? <laughs> the same year. Bug's Life came out two months later on September 14th, 1998. I think it's interesting that Katzenberg left the Disney company and then, oh, oh no, oh no, this, oh no, how did this movie get here? <laughs> what did this weird movie get same here? Thing, oh, one of us is going to have to change. One of us is going to have to change. <laughs> oh, you were so, doing a bug movie too. Interesting. You know, dueling movies happen, you know, all the time, but I think it is very interesting that Disney was working on A Bug's Life, which is a a very, very basic hero's journey story about a little ant and a circus and, I don't know, accepting yourself, probably. I haven't seen this movie in a while. It's literally, yeah, it's just Seven Samurai, but with bugs. Fantastic. And uh, Katzenberg is over in his bitter corner being like, well, I made a Woody Allen movie with bugs. Deal with it. So that 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 happened. That was the first full-length animated movie to come out of DreamWorks. The next one was The Prince of Egypt. We, we keep ta- telling these animation stories of companies just going from zero to, like, god tier. <laughs> God tier, literal god. Literal god tier. James I, fucking Baxter. J- James Baxter. James uh, Baxter. James Baxter. I'm gonna jump into the Jesse's Jew corner 
real fast. Hello, welcome back. Mazel tov, mazel tov, a blessing on your head. I love this movie a lot. <laughs> it's, to my money, the most beautiful animated movie to, like, come out in decades. It's I, I so think, good. I think um, there are maybe some, like, in recent time, with the advances in technology some contenders but i would say that prince of egypt still holds the damn title it's so fucking good and it's also a movie that disney would never ever 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 make yep nope which i also find funny that that katzenberg was like all right we made woody allen bug movie what's next the torah we want to do the torah (laughs) you want to do the passover story you want to do Ten Commandments? Yeah, I'm just going to pop a quick Torah here, just, just so everyone one, can see it. Oh, real quick, real quick one. So that happened, and we'll, we could do a whole episode about Prince of Egypt later, so I'll jump out of the, the Jewish corner. Swoop. Uh, swoop. Back out. Oh, no, I left my man a shepherd. Next one was Road to El Dorado, which is a little bit more something that I think Disney would have... Like, the, I think there's overlap there, buddy movie, some music is involved, Elton John. Still a better queer movie than Rent. Still a better queer movie than Rent by leaps and bounds. Yeah, you think maybe, um, like, you know, after making Ants, Disney was like, oh, Jeffrey, you're just stealing all of our ideas, I see how it is. And then Jeffrey's like, okay, hold on one second. Then did Prince of Egypt and was like... Yeah, see, I can do my own thing, too, but then makes El Dorado. I can also do your thing. I can do your thing, but, like, maybe better sometime. Maybe more entertaining. Chicken Run was the fourth one. That one was with Ardman Animation Production, and I do love Ardman so much. There, there is something about Chicken Run that I do quite enjoy, mm-hmm. but I don't know if it's a good movie. That's the thing. I would need to rewatch it. To you guys, I love good. this enthusiasm, but we can't review every DreamWorks movie in the it's entirety okay, of the their next, career. <laughs> the next one is Shrek, and that's where we're stopping. Shrek was the fifth full-length movie, came out in 2001, to come out of DreamWorks Animation. And the reason why I wanted to do the four-movie setup before that is because Shrek is often heralded as, like, the flagship of DreamWorks, for better or worse. This is the one that just kind of put everything on the map. Yeah. I think Prince of Egypt is definitely one of the best, like, movies ever made, and is probably DreamWorks' best piece of work, but I think Shrek does, like, deserve this kind of prestige it has as the thing that made DreamWorks a thing. Yeah. Shrek was the one that I feel like more than any of the others was the direct response to Disney. And and I don't know if that is Katzenberg himself, like, directly looking Eichner in the eye from across the room, saying, this is mine now. Because it could have been, a, you know, a grand myriad of things, but I think it is the one that's the most directly correlated to the impact that Disney has had on, on pop culture. Shrek was the, was the answer. And again, for better or worse, we have this. I'm just imagining, like, t- like, it's like, um, Eichner sitting in a tower, um, in the middle of, like, downtown Los Angeles, like, in the middle of a skyscraper, and he gets a text from Jeffrey, and it says, hey, look outside. He looks outside to, like, a neighboring skyscraper, and he sees, and there he sees, um, Jeffrey just flipping him the bird from across the way, and that is what Shrek is. Yeah. Just every... Yeah gag bit in that movie is them in the writer's room going like god which disney movie can we shit on next there's so much there's so Keep much going. i want to shit on uh fucking Duloc being just the disney parks that's all it is it's just disneyland i think another one is like i think this like particularly like when did shrek come out again 2001 okay so you know i watched this movie with my mother the first yeah. time i saw it yeah. Um, so you can imagine maybe some of her, like, surprise when this movie that she was, like, fairly convinced was basically a Disney movie, um, they said words like ass and damn. Yeah, a couple times. When are and they gonna let Shrek say fuck? Let Shrek say fuck. 
um, I'm running for president, and this is my um, my campaign platform. <laughs> Just let Shrek say fuck. If we were to open up Jeffrey Kassenberg's uh, story notes, I'm certain there is at least 20 images of Shrek flipping the bird saying fuck. Fuck. But specifically, fuck Disney. That also. <laughs> so like that's that, my... That's my tirade about Katzenberg and the birth of DreamWorks. There's just there's just so much spite. This movie was born out of so much hate. Sometimes spite can be a road to success. Yes, and into the and into this film, he poured all of his hate and malice. Maybe this is why Shrek Two is so good because it still has that snappiness, but they got they got all the anger out of their system. And yeah. it hadn't quite hit that, oh god, this franchise is slagging on forever moment. So we get, Shrek 2 is that sweet spot in the middle where they're really just working out their comedy chops and the, the sort of narrative heart that they want to portray, but not bogged down by fuck Disney or just being a franchise that they want to shit out. Yeah, yeah. I mean, DreamWorks... Pretty soon after that started lagging to a painful degree. Oh, Just again, looking oh, at yeah. their filmography. But then but, Kung Fu Panda happened. No, then Kung Fu Panda happened. And specifically Kung Fu Panda 2. But that, to it. That's, that'll be our season finale. Dylan. <sighs> Dylan. Yes. Hit so, us. What I was going to bring up was the incredible soundtrack not of just of shrek 2 but of like the entire shrek franchise yeah they they use you know they use like licensed music they don't they like there's some of their own stuff but the you know the real all-stars <laughs> are their licensed. i just wanted to like bring up like the i got the soundtrack for shrek 2 pulled up here and there's just so many hits here there's Accidentally in Love by Counting Crows, a song I've listened to far too often. Yep. Yep. There is um, Changes by David Bowie. David <laughs> Bowie! Yeah. There is Funky Town by Lips Inc., which is one of my favorite songs. <laughs> there are so many songs all over it. If you'll recall, the um, end credits song is... Live in La Vida Loca, but they got, like, Eddie Murphy and Antonio Banderas to sing it together. Yeah, they did. Which is also very peak. The team-up of the century. Yeah. And then, of course, we brought this up before, the amazing, amazing, like, performance of Holding Out for a Hero by Jennifer Saunders. She, She did her own version of the song. And I've listened to both versions of the song. Both of them are pretty dang good. But Jennifer Saunders fucking killed it. The Shrek version has better instrumental work, and Jennifer can sing, and I did not know that. Yep. Not only can she sing, she can fucking melt our hearts into the ground. She can belt. Yeah. And I just, I really, really like that song. And like the thing about the thing about Shrek is every song on their whole thing, when they play a song, it's like, yeah, okay, this works thematically and also tonally for what we're doing right here. Like you get the opening mon, the opening montage, which is kind of like a callback to the opening montage in the first movie. Um, they're playing accidentally in love. And I think that that's a really, really good way to describe Shrek and Fiona's relationship. Yeah. There's a reason why that song was used in every single AMV in the early thousand. It's a good fucking song is the it's reason. It's a good narrative. <laughs> yeah. Then like holding out for a hero is such a, such a fucking like absolute, just like beautiful song. And also it's such, like, a mood, I think, for anybody ever who's, like, ever felt lonely. Yeah. That moment um, when just before the song kicks up and she looks into the camera and goes, hit it! I felt yeah. that. I felt yes. that. Yeah. So, the other ones I was going to bring up was, I was also going to talk about the 
um, discography of the original Shrek, you know, the Shrek soundtrack, and um, the fact that it is maybe one of the finest soundtracks of any movie that used licensed music. Hit it! Alright, so, I mean, first off, there's the song that, you know, spawned a million billion memes... Is it the and, one that is it the one is it the one that goes somebody is it that one yep somebody so, that song is amazing um I remember someone making fun of uh, Smash Mouth making All Star they were talking to them and they were like you're such a hack you guys only made one hit song and they're like no we made three hit songs and only two of them were in Shrek. <laughs> <laughs> Smash Mouth. Smash Mouth. Did you know that Smash Mouth said trans rights? Smash Mouth said trans rights. My favorite quote, I think, is maybe that one I just said, but also another one was, I had oral sex to my girlfriend while listening to you at Smash Mouth, and they said, Gabe, hell yeah, good dude. (laughs) Yes. So much. (laughs) So, I was just gonna bring up, there's so many good songs in here. I'm just looking at the soundtrack, and I'm just like, I'm gonna go listen to this soundtrack, because I have it physically on a CD in this room. Good. On the topic of All-Star by Smash Mouth, did you know there is going to be, or already is, a musical, which is just the song All-Star by Smash Mouth? Did you know that the music video of All-Star is... For the movie Mystery Men. Oh my god. That, yeah, that's that fits. That checks out. Other songs that I really, really enjoy from this is, of course, I'm a Believer, performed by Smash Mouth. It's a, you know, a, a rendition of this. Written by Neil Diamond. <laughs> Good. Other songs that I really, really love are Bad Reputation by Joan Jett. Yeah. Yeah. Always gets um, me going. Which is just a really, really good song for a fight scene. And I wasn't really expecting fight scenes in a Shrek when I first watched it as a kid. But there's a couple, and they pull so hard from pop culture. Like, particularly, there's, like, so many direct references to The Matrix, or at least two or three. The other one that I really like is um, My Beloved Monster. You guys remember that song? I don't recall that one. Okay. Well, this one, I think we're all aware of and is also like so tonally weird but also like just like a beautiful haunting song that maybe doesn't belong in a children's movie which is the seminal work of leonard cohen hallelujah oh boy howdy and specifically the cover by rufus rainwhite his cover um you know i I have the deepest respect for Leonard. He is one of the best songwriters of our time. Fight me if you disagree. But when I uh, want to hear Hallelujah, I want to hear the Shrek version. I I have like I I hear Leonard Cohen's voice, and it feels like maybe he should not smoke eight packs right before stepping into the sound booth. Yeah. Leonard Cohen and Johnny Cash have a very similar problem. Yes. And also the Leonard Cohen arrangement sounds like keyboard farts. <laughs> there, is a, there is a song that he does, which I really love, called Closing Time. And the simple fact of the matter is, there are no good covers of it. Nope. Unfortunate. So, Dylan, I have a question for you. Yeah. Regarding these soundtracks. Uh, let's just do Shrek 1 and Shrek 2, because I just, I don't want to get into the, the rest of the filmography, yeah, despite the fact that 4 all, is pretty that's good. That's all I'm doing. That's all I'm okay, doing. I'm like, I'm, like, literally done. Okay, solid. So, from the first and the second, which songs do you feel are best served in these movies? Which ones fit their scene and are performed with? and are, are, are featured in the narrative well enough. Obviously, the answer for the second movie is I Need a Hero, but if there's a backup answer, then that would be fine, too. But okay. since you are very passionate about it, I want to know. I would say if there is a backup, it is, of course, Accidentally in Love. Um, the yeah. opening montage with it is very cute and charming, and is just like a breath of fresh air in a lot of media where 
being or like like being married is kind of seen as a hassle where yeah. they are explicitly living together and loving each other every day. I love that shit so much. I was thinking about that while I was watching it too, that it's so refreshing to show like being able to live with your wife and be with her every day is seen as like the ultimate good and happiness as opposed to most other media where Fiona would suddenly start being a nag or something like it was just real nice. Yeah. I think there's, I think there's something incredibly wrong with a lot of media with the fact that we have to like sing the praises of this movie for just like treating marriage, not like a fucking chore. Yeah. Yeah. Can we talk about the parallel between Shrek and Fiona and Gomez and Morticia Adams real fast? And then we're going to come back to Shrek 1 about that that's, one question. That's I have interesting because you're right. There's a big comparison there because of the fact that they're outside of the norm of their given societies and they're seen as like weird and odd beings, but like they're also like incredibly loving of each other and they don't tolerate like other people bad-mouthing each other. Yeah, like, there has to be something monstrous about you to find the, like, the love and the good in your partner. That's so weird! I think the function of the monster hero in a narrative is that, in a way, it kind of exemplifies, like, the, the stuff that's weird about us, you know? Like, that's that's kind of the point where it's... It's showing that, like, the fact that they're so open and loving with each other is, like, against the norm amongst all these other things. And then that makes you question, like, why why do we do that? Like, Why do we all hate each other so much? Like, why don't we yeah. just accept it that is, we're yeah. beautiful, unique beings and we love our spouses? Yeah, if these literal, like, monster people can treat each other with love and civility beyond like anything that we see in other media what's our what's our deal what's our hang-up monsters hold the mirror up to society yes you make a fair point uh what's the best song in shrek one the best song in shrek one the lazy answer is of course all-star but here's the simple fact of the matter the opening of shrek is very good all-star is very good they don't necessarily complement each other in any significant way. No, I'd agree. Yeah. There is nothing to All-Star that makes it specifically Shrek-esque. Yeah. Um, Only I in will, soul. It is now infused with Shrek energy, but yeah. that was post-production. I would definitely say for the scene that it is in, the best song in the whole of it, is Hallelujah. Oh, man. I forget. Yeah, I'm thinking about it. I forget Again, which a scene. That, a song that probably doesn't necessarily belong in a children's movie. It's, it's a very powerful, very somber song, and not really the thing I think about when I think of, like, comedy and Shrek. It happens, Sarah, the, the scene happens after... Uh, Shrek thinks he hears Fiona talking about how she could never love a monster when actually she's talking about how no one could love her because she's a monster. And then Lord Farquaad shows up and Fiona leaves and Shrek also leaves and they're both by themselves eating dinner at like empty tables and then fucking Hallelujah's playing over it. It's so intense. Oh my god, I love Rufus Wainwright quite a lot. He's an incredible, like, opera singer, and I think spent, like, a lot of his career in the closet, and he recently made an opera musical about Hadrian, which is a prolific gay figure in Greek history. Yes. And yes. I just, I just, I really love Rufus Wainwright, and honestly, that's probably why his cover is so good. Like, he just has, he just, like, really... Just you can just feel that, you know, and you're just with there with him, and that's why the Shrek version will always outdo Leonard Cohen. Sorry, Leonard boy. <laughs> Leonard, you wrote a beautiful song. You didn't perform it to the best of to the best of like human capacity. Rufus did. Yeah. Rufus did that, and Katie Lang. We collaborate. We collaborate. It's fine. Yeah, we can we can still we can still like respect Leonard Cohen as the artistic genius that he is but the man cannot sing 
better leave that to the gays. Leave it to the gays. Leave it to the gays. Good advice for any scenario, really. I feel like that's the spirit of this episode is we, we just gotta leave it to the gays. Leave it to the gays. Like, let's write our own indie lesbian Shrek rewrite. Let's do it. Well, you, know, you already did. You made a, you made a television. Yeah, but, like, what if it was, like, a full script? No, well, there would be issues, like, I ain't touching how to adapt donkey or puss in boots. Like, there's just, there's a lot to unpack there. <laughs> there's certain things about this that are somewhat untenable. Yeah, there are certain things that are just, like, we should just chuck this in the garbage and start again from scratch. That being said, uh, it's just, it's nice to take queer allegory and then bring it to the realm of reality and just i just really want animated movies with actual gay people in it would be nice oh man wouldn't that be fun someday hey i do love like hearing you guys talk about like your interpretations of stories and it's like this is really gay and here's why and i'm like yeah that makes a shit ton of sense but also, like, maybe it'd just be good if I didn't have to read subtext. Yeah. <laughs> if you could just see the movie and it's like, ah, oh, they're gay. That's just yeah. that's just a fact. They just kissed. I, yeah, I was going to say, though, I think there is one significant giveaway that Shrek is a very... Shrek 2 is a very gay story. Which is? Which is? Um, there is a part where the king and the queen... Um, the queen does turn and look at her husband by one point, and she does say Harold. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Harold, they are lesbians, Harold. Harold, they're lesbians. She knows. She looked into the future, saw my post, and she said, Harold, they're lesbians. <laughs> oh, my God. Also, the queen is played by uh, Queen Clarice Rinaldi, Queen of Genovia, Julie Andrews. So this is just already no, the gayest no, movie. You're not you're not lying to me right now. I am not fucking with you. That 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 beautiful woman is played by an even more beautiful woman, Dame Julie Andrews. What the hell is this world that we live in? I have hope for the future once again. Mary Poppins played the queen in Shrek. I think if DreamWorks were to go back to its old tenet of Let's do the things Disney won't. Hey, DreamWorks, make some gay movies. Disney won't do that. Do it for me, DreamWorks. Do it for all of us. Do it for Spite. If not for Sarah, then just for Spite. Just do it out of Spite. I mean, do it for the gays, of course, but but if Spite takes you there, then power to you. I think they've just moved away from their hatred for Disney at this point. I think they're just off. Then do it for the love of the gays. Where'd Jeffrey go? Jesse, how does Jeffrey's tale end up today? Oh, it's good. I'm so glad you asked. <laughs> so he is a longtime support. He was a longtime supporter of President Barack Obama. Pretty prolific Democrat, uh, supported Clinton in the 2016 elections. Uh, he pledged $500,000 to the March for Our Lives movement following the Stoneman Douglas high school shootings. So, like, he, he, you know, he's, like, seems to be a pretty decent dude. Is he still uh, at DreamWorks? He is still at DreamWorks, but, oh, no. Oh, no what? <laughs> oh, no. Oh, you had me. You had me, Katzenberg. He's he, he's really prolific in the, uh, the SOPA Act, the Stop Online Piracy Act, because, of course, he is, because he leads a media company um which is unfortunate but also just sort of how that goes how's he on the bofa act dylan 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 no dylan no dylan dylan no no dylan dylan no dylan no dylan so I was going to say maybe we could trust Jeffrey to one day make a movie for the gays, but once again, we're reminded, never trust a capitalist. Never trust a capitalist. Following NBC Universal's acquisition of DreamWorks Animation in 2016, Katzenberg left his position of CEO at DreamWorks Animation and has been named chairman of DreamWorks New Media, consisting, however, he stepped down from that post shortly after. So he's not. He's not still at DreamWorks anymore. Yeah, I just, I just think... 
then maybe we can look to Shrek and maybe someday pave the way for a big ogre lesbian movie. I just want it. Let me have it. Yes. I think I think we can all agree that it's very ogre do. <laughs> I'm just also, ogre the moon. I watched it on Disney again for just a quick second. Again, talking about Beauty and the Beast. I just think it's a better story. If you're going to make a story about how luck can overcome, like, outward ugliness, if beauty is also a beast, like, if you if the story ends and both of them are ugly, like, that's a better fucking story, team, than if they both end up hot. Yeah. Maybe instead of conforming to society's ideals as a form of healing, maybe the true healing is accepting the things that society told you were bad as things that are actually were never wrong. Yeah, I think that's a better narrative overall. And this is why Shrek 2 is the queer media we deserve. Well, it's a step. <laughs> we got we got to keep qualifying. Shrek's good, but like an actual gay movie would be better. Yeah. Just give it to me, guys, please. If it was a fully yeah. queer film, like I, I think we, I think we just have to say right now, we, all of us, everyone here, loves Shrek one and two. Yes. Correct. Yes. Yes. yes Agree. Nothing we say here can take away the beauty that is Shrek, the majesty that is Shrek. We would like, like, you know, like actual representation. Also, to clarify, if there were to be a lesbian film that had the exact same plot as Shrek 2. It would need to actually be written by actual lesbians. Given that this movie does exist, Jenny's Wedding has the exact same plot as Shrek 2, and it's a terrible movie. And it's really, it's really bad. Is the what thing is Jenny's Wedding? Jenny's oh, Wedding so is a little Gwyneth Paltrow bit where uh, it's about how she's getting married to a woman and her family's not cool with it, and the whole movie is about the family learning to overcome their homophobia, and the woman never interact at all. They both have mysteriously long nails. Um, they, they, yeah, there's so no long. chemistry. There's just, they, they, they barely hug. And it's, and then they use the, the I Can't Change song like 20 times. Um, and it's just, it's not, it's not what we deserve. <laughs> it's, it's, so it's Catherine Heigl, Paltrow, it's Catherine Heigl and Alexis Bledel just so awkwardly looking at each other from like several feet away the entire movie. Right, it's that other blonde actress who just sort of Is exists. Who has, that, who has that heavy Paltrow energy without actually being Ultra. That's right. She's that chick from Grey's Anatomy, right? Yes. They just sort of awkwardly look at each other, and then their parents are big heroes for saying maybe gays, and it's just it's it's not. Maybe gays. Maybe, maybe gays. gays. I want maybe. definitely gays. <laughs> I think you're right, Dylan. It has been long overdue. <laughs> oh God. Some people. <laughs> I wanted to share a poem. Yes, I want to hear your poem, Jesse. I am a snowball running, running down into the spring that's coming, all this love melting under blue skies, belting out sunlight, shimmering love, and baby, I surrender to the strawberry ice cream, never ever end of all this love. And I didn't mean to do it, but there is no escaping your love. These lines of lightning mean we're never alone, never alone. So come on, come on, move a little closer. Come on, come on, I want to hear you whisper. Come, come on, come on, don't find my love. Such a good song. One, two, three, four.
Our theme song is by Nathan Engelman. That's E-N-G-E-L-M-A-N-N. You can find his work at soundcloud.com slash Nathan Engelman.